money is power and then you think about collective economics right so the reason why we don't have power as a people is because we don't practice collective economics there is power in numbers there right. is power in community right and so it, in, in the most close-knit communities the dollar don't say a year the most close the jewish community which is one of the most close-knit communities they get 30 days in their community now we get six hours but when we had community, when we were intentional about practicing collective economics, you see the dollar circulate a lot longer. CC, CEO, want to change your life? Come see me, yo. I'm going to teach you how to build up wealth for your family, not just for yourself. I'm a bestseller, a house flipper, a businesswoman, a gold getter, a big investor, a gold builder. I can teach you to get richer like millions, baby. You really about to fill your savings. You about to have multiple streams to pass your children, baby. Let me teach you to get your credit on track in the long run. You'll make it all back at Catalyst. And we'll all suck on your black gold firm, but we ain't all black. Hey, everybody. What's up? It's your girl, Constance Carter, and I'm so excited to have you all here today, uh, especially about this topic that we're going to be talking about today. Listen, we have an exciting new program that we're going to be coming on every week uh, to talk to you about different things. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a, a, a panel of women that are going to be discussing topics um, that really relate to you, and we're going to be talking about things that can really change your life, change your mindset, and. Th- Try to figure out ways and solutions to where we can help the community. Um, we have a panel of women that broad in age range from 20s to the 70s and everywhere in between. And so we have we have uh, I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm going to bring on each one of our guests. Um, I'm going to bring on first April Sampay. April. Hey, April. Hey, girl. Hey. So she is. She is an entertainer. She is a realtor and um, she has a lot of great opinions. That's all she got. (laughs) Thank you, April. (laughs) That's all she said. Miss Emma didn't give me her bio, but Miss Emma Fraser is a Harvard PhD. Um, She has a wealth of knowledge and she is a wordsmith. And I'm excited to have her here because I think she has a great perspective on life on uh on social act activation and all things that we're going to be discussing so that's miss emma and then last but not least miss kyle carter who is actually my daughter and she is a no you are gen z gen z uh, recent graduate of Hampton University, marketing major, but she has a great and unique unique perspective as well. So, ladies, look today we're going to talk about um these white tears. Um, but before we get started, before we get started, I want to challenge everybody. I want to encourage everyone to subscribe to the Fly Be a Queen, to subscribe to Constance Carter. Make sure you follow all of us on our respective social medias. So what we were talking about, we were kind of having a discussion. The four of us were having a discussion. And, uh, you know, there's been so much um, incarceration of African-American men. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the news lately, but the the author of The Lovely Bones, which uh Book, which went which went on to become a movie she falsely accused a black man of raping her the black man was wrongly convicted and he was recently exonerated and she did a little apology she did a little white tear apology and so we kind of wanted to have a discussion around black men or black people being falsely accused in general but here's the the video that uh we were kind of discussing tuesday she issued a public apology to broadwater in which she acknowledged he had been wrongly accused. I am sorry most of all for the fact that the life you could have led was unjustly robbed from you 
and I know that no apology can change what happened to you and never will. What do you think of that apology? If it's sincerely from my heart, I can accept it. Paul, <laughs> uh, we black people, we are the most, the most forgivingest people in the world. We are quick forgive our oppressors we're quick to forgive people who have wronged us ladies what do you think do you think that she should now be convicted because she wrongly uh convicted or accused him and he spent all that time in prison what do you think why you should go for the same amount of time that i was there 100 bye <laughs> do not pass go do not collect 200 dollars wait but 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 wait did she do it because she honestly thought he did it or was she lying deliberately? We have to look at her intent. Did she right. make an honest mistake? Because you know what they say about us, all black people look alike. <laughs> so what She apologized, but what was her intent that we could, if we want her convicted, April? You know what? Good point. Listen, there have been so many times, so many times where white people have convicted white women, especially. And that was a epidemic. I think there was over three, four thousand lynchings between, you know, after uh, Reconstruction to like 1965 or something. And a lot of them were due to white tears. You have uh, what did you have? Uh, wait, let me let me go. Let me. Oh, I guess maybe I didn't put but look at Emmett Till. Look at Emmett Till. Emmett Till, uh, what's her name? Carolyn Bryant Dunham. She accused him of whistling at her. And he was murdered. And she later um, admitted that she lied. So, and she was because she was in her 90s, nothing happened to that lady. Should something have happened to a lady, even yes. though she was in her Absolutely. 90s? Yes. Jail. 100%. Why? What? You know, okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Maybe, and I'm, I'm just going to be as blunt as possible. Maybe not necessarily in her 90s because, I mean, really, what what, what is she going to learn? She but, need a vault in prison until she dies. <laughs> but but okay. I'm just saying, like, you, a, a life was lost. You know what I mean? And a life was lost over something so, like. Minuscule. Ma'am. Small. Like, what in the world? We, you whistle, you, you said that this man whistled at you and he lost his life for that. And not only lost his life, was but was brutally murdered. Brutally murdered. The, nerve, the dangerous nerve to whistle at a white woman. But look at this. These girls, these girls, they knowingly accused these black boys. In 1931, nine teenage black boys, all these boys were falsely accused of rape by two white women while riding a train. Ruby Bates, 17, and Victoria Prince, 21, said the boys came up on them and started a fight with several white men riding in the same car and ended up raping them. And they did not do it. They were falsely accused. And again, they were beaten and they were hanged. And here's the thing I have, you know, people say, oh, that's the past. That was a long time ago. That's the history wow. of, of white racism, racism in America. But the reality is this stuff happens to this day. You have the, this football this football player. Uh, wait, let me go to this one where she said um, two football players were accused of raping her. But in actuality, she had sex with these two boys. And then she got scared because she didn't want anybody to think bad of her. So she accused them of raping her. Mm -hmm. it's, so, okay. it's okay that you are going to have all of that negativity happen to you. But I don't want people to look at me strange. I don't want people to think badly of me. So you lose your life 
because I don't want to be embarrassed. But the thing about it, you guys, is they blame black people. Why? Because they can. Black people, especially black men, are easy target. Think about this. And after Reconstruction, after, um, you know, when 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 slavery was over, now we have the 13th Amendment. Slavery is now outlawed except for in prisons. So they have to figure out a way to find free labor. So then they started having these black codes. What are black codes? These are ways to imprison black people for no reason at all. Let's get them for loitering. Let's give them life of hard labor because they were hanging out in front of the store. Things like that. So black people have been, black men especially, have been mass incarcerated. And so it's easy. Hey, listen, I want to kill my kids. Let me say a black man did it. And we're going to go and racially profile every black man. And this is in the 2020s that this is happening. And so, But but Constance, you're hitting the root of the problem. This is systemic hatred of black people. And the civil war might have freed us physically, but it didn't free us emotionally from the anger that the Southerners had that they now had nobody to pick their cotton. And and so while black men have been imprisoned during slavery, white women were sexually abused. Mm -hmm. That is how we got to be this color. Mm-hmm. That is how we got to be this co- somewhere in my history. My mother's from the South. Something happened. Right. You cannot show up this color without being mixed with some with some white stuff. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And but impossible. here's the thing that I have a problem with. All of the atrocities that have happened to us, somehow they are the victims. We are the bad guys. We are the ones to be feared. But we aren't the ones serial killing. We aren't the ones committing genocide. But yet we are the ones to be feared. We're the ones incarcerated in mass numbers. All of these things happen to us. Why? Because number one, power, right? Number two, they need need a scapegoat. What were you going to say, Emma? But I was going to say, if you look at other countries, the history of countries is they always find someone on low on the totem pole that's part of that country and they persecute them and they kill them. It happens in 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 Poland. It happened in Armenia because these people, everybody wants somebody to look down on to enslave and to what how Hitler got the Jew of uh, the uh, Germans to do that. He made the Jews a common enemy. When you band people together by a common enemy, you get mob violence. So we are the result of hundreds of years of mob violence. Hate the black people, hate, they're the reason. Now the immigrants are getting it. They're taking our jobs. Think about that. There's always a low, a low minority on the totem pole that is getting a lot more than we're getting. I mean, if you really think about it, they're getting like I'm I'm just saying like people are coming into the country receiving things that I, we I have to work for. I don't I don't I, I don't think you could compare an immigrant to an enslaved people, people who were brought here against their will. I don't think that they're getting yeah, they talk I'm, about they're taking our jobs. You want to pick grapes? Let's be real. Nobody wants to pick grapes. Nobody wants to be, do the janitorial. And and the, and the fact that Trump has polarized this nation in such a way. Make America great. 
Yeah. To polarize America in such a way to say these people are taking our jobs. They're taking, you know, everything from us. And to be honest with you, they're doing the jobs that most Americans don't want to do. But here's the thing. And to, to your point, Emma, about that power, Lyndon B. Johnson said in 1955, if you could take the lowest white man and convince him that he's better than the best black man that he won't even know that you're picking his pocket. I was about to say that. I was about to say you want somebody to look down on and he'll right. give everything he has. I was it's about to say because I remember growing up you did tell me something like that. You told me you told me something like like how does it was a system systemic thing that that's why certain like white populations hate each other. Like, you know, Irish think that they're better than another population mm -hmm. because of it's a systemic thing. They're trying to like, you know, like that that hatred is like taught. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, so when slavery first happened, right, in the 1600s, you had the Irish that were also slaves. And the Irish will be the quick to tell you, we were slaves too, right? But they mm -hmm. weren't slaves like we were. They weren't lifetime slaves. But what they did is they had a hierarchy. So they didn't have, um, so you had your British, but you had the, and, and how do we, how do we, separate the, the the africans from the 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 irish well we make the irish the overseers and yeah. we make them think that the they're a little bit better yeah then we make them think that they're a little bit better and then that's how we continue to stay in power because really at the end of the day it's all about power we out here fighting about race it's all about power but how and do money. we and, and money and money, and money. Well, money. Yeah. yeah money but let so me ask you dr if you Emma, change kind of I think one of the things that can happen, because I remember we were talking about like solutions, right? And we talk about money. And I think it's kind of who is in control of the money. And if you create your own money, meaning if you start your own company and say, you know what, I'm going to barter the way that we did back in the day, then you that there's a solution for you right there, because then you have your own power and you don't need somebody else to tell you what to do, when to do it and how to do it. You don't need to use their money. You you pretty much create your own way of using money or your own type of money. And well, I think you think about that too, because money is power. And then you think about collective economics, right? So the reason why we don't have power as a people is because we don't practice collective economics. There is power in numbers. There right. is power in community, right? So what you're saying in terms of us being the the, the lender and not the borrower, borrower us being the, the people who are in charge. Yeah. When you look at a time after, when you look at in the 1930s, when you had our black towns, when they practiced a collective economics, when the dollar stayed in our community a year before leaving our communities. Right. And so it, in, in the most close knit communities, the dollar don't say a year, the most close, the Jewish community, which is one of the most close knit communities, they get 30 days in their community. Now we get six hours, but when we had community, when we were intentional about practicing collective economics, you've seen the dollar circulate a lot longer. What happened, what destroyed Black Wall Street, do you guys know what destroyed Black Wall Street finally? It's the jealousy of what those people had and they had built a community. So afterwards, so they rebuilt Black Wall Street. And so now they went from 600 businesses to 300 businesses, integration. When black people did not have to do business with black people, we did not do business with black people. And therefore, Black Wall Street and other other communities like this were gone. So we wanted now we want to do business with people who spit in our food, who didn't treat us right, who didn't want us at our restaurants because they they food with the spit in it tastes a lot better than ours because we were right. brainwashed into that thinking. 
But there is power in numbers, Black people, just like you said, uh, April, just like you said, we have to be the ones that have the power. But how do we get the power? Well, exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. But exactly that. Like, I keep seeing videos of people saying, "Okay, let's all get together. We're not going to shop at this particular place or we're not going to do. Yo, our money is can go so much longer than we're giving it credit. Mm -hmm. And we are a lot stronger than we give ourselves credit. We, and I'm sorry to say this, we as people of color um, are victims more so, you know, in our heads. We allow ourselves to be victims in our heads. And so when we change our mindset and say, hold on, pause, my money work, my money spends just like anybody else's money. And if I choose not to spend here, I can make that much of a difference. We can change the way, and, and let's just think about it, because we were talking about it the other day about like, and I'm sorry, I'm all over the place, but we talk about like hair care and things of that nature. As you all see, I don't have any, but <laughs> if we all decided, you protest? <laughs> we decided to use hair care that was made by our own people, our hair care, I mean, you know, hair care would definitely change. If we notice right now, Hair care products are giving us cancer. You know, um, hair care products are giving us alopecia. Hair care products are giving us this, that, and the third. Yet we're still putting our money in those same hair care products that are destroying us. Why aren't we making a difference, making our own things and selling to our own people and our people actually um, uh, putting money in our own in our pockets? But Constance, yes, April, April. You make a point. I didn't want to go there, but you opened up the. the you Come on, honey. The floodgates are open. The worst kind of racism is when you can get a race to turn on itself. That's 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 what has happened to us as black people. We believe it. There are many of us who believe that we can't do what they do. That it's good that somebody's in charge because. I don't want to deal with black, with black entrepreneurs because they charge too much money. Um, they don't have all the products that Amazon has or whatever. So we believe it. And so we have turned on each other with ethnic conflict that was instilled in us. And the first of it, because I was born in that time and looked like this, is the color divide. And who's accepted when I was coming along the lighter you were, the better you were. The expression was, if you're light, you're right. If you're black, stay back. Now I'm black, <laughs> but the color. And my friends used to say to me in high school, you got good hair. <laughs> they thought their hair was not good. Who taught them that? And now I'm going to bring this up. There is no television show that you can watch where black women are not wearing long wigs <laughs> because that was the, the standard, long flowing hair. Yeah, that is so true. Like even growing up, like, like I remember with me growing up, we used to like with the Cheetah Girls, for example, everybody wanted to be the, the one with the curly hair, the light skin one. No one wanted to be Raven or the dark skin one because the beauty standard was the curly, the curly hair who was foreign, speak another language, like half black. That was like the, the beauty standard growing up. So it took 
to like me being more educated and like doing more things, even going to an HBCU, like it made me realize like I go to a place, everybody wear their natural hair. I'm from California. No black person you see really be wearing their natural hair like that. Instead, until you go to an HBCU and re you really see what your standard of beauty really is. But it's just how we've been taught. We've been taught yeah. that our standard of beauty is like, you know, wigs, straight uh, yeah. hair, all that type who's of the stuff. One, who's, who's the one teaching? So that, that's where my, my, my frustration lies. All that type of media. You watch TV, you watch social media, you look in, in school books, school books. I said school books. You know, like this is is put in your brain from day one. And so, again, going back to, well, what is the solution? The solution is to teach your children because you got to start when they're babies. That's what they're doing with us. I mean, think about it to your point. You were a child when you were watching Cheetah Girls. You know what I mean? You're watching Cheetah Girls thinking to yourself, I want to be this because this is the one who's beautiful. No. Mm -hmm. Teach your baby, you are gorgeous from day one. I didn't want, when I was a kid, I was like, Ma, I need you to press my hair. And yep. in my day, you would press your hair with a with a hot comb that was literally on a stove. So yep. you would leave your house with burns on your forehead and in the in the kitchen area. We all know. And the ear. And, and the ear. Please don't forget the ear. You would be all burnt up, but she's like, but I'm gorgeous. Why? My hair grows up. My, and I look at it from this perspective. My hair grows up to be closer to God. My <laughs> hair grows up because I'm getting downloads from 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 higher up and not down You know what I mean? I'm not going to cover up what I got. What I got is amazing. So I stopped putting in relaxers a long time ago when I had I had a huge afro. I decided to put a relaxer in my hair, and when I did it, I hated who I was. I cut it all off. And I was like, oh, I I like this. Like this, 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 this is my new look. But it took me being fake or changing something about myself. And I don't have any problem with anybody who puts a relaxer in their hair or anybody who straightens it. That's your business. But for me, I didn't like the person that I was. I didn't like who I the person I saw in the mirror. So I'm like, we have to start loving the person that we see in the mirror who we who we started off as it's like michael jackson said talking about um let's start with the man in the mirror well the man in the mirror who michael jackson started off as is mm -hmm. not the one who he ended up as he started off as a black man ended up as a white woman right <laughs> you know what i mean so what we need to start doing is really focus on telling our children and teaching our children you are enough you're more than enough you are the one you are a king you are a queen and you are worthy of being anything that you want to be. So I'm, I'm a, you know. Well, also to, to, to teach kids, stop being mean. Cause I mean, I mean, growing up, my mom has always been telling me positive affirmations about myself, but just in the school that I grew up in, like it made me, it, it, it like being like the only black kid, like it just made me think that, that my hair or whatever was not, you know what was foreign was different like made me feel like i'm different people were just so mean about it and so it's just like also teaching your kids stop being so mean and more open-minded you you remember how when they when you're a kid how they say when well, the little boys hit you they only hit you because they like you they like yeah. you yeah that's that gets you accustomed to abuse well, no, it, it I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not definitely. Not, you know, what I'm saying is, that's you. You got a point, but 
oftentimes when you meet those bullies and you know those people who are mean to you they're mean to you because you have something that they don't or you have something that they want and so um no we don't go to until i can you know they only hit you because they like you no but making sure that your child understands sometimes they're just jealous and and that's just reality i mean every day we walk down the street and somebody's like, mm, she thinks she all that. No, you think I'm all that. And that's the reason why those words came out of your head. I am no all rejection. that, period. But here's the, but, but April, I'm going to, I, I want to back up what you said. Come on. What are the two major plastic surgeries that have hit the, hit the market in the last 15 years? Ooh, BBL. plant. And and boobies. And and boobies and lips. And lips. Oh, and lips. And lips. That's all true. the things they criticized us for. So you're right. They wanted it. They enslaved us. They couldn't get it that way. But now in the 21st century, you can go and have a black woman's butt. Oh, did you see it? Brazil. Ooh. Here is here is the issue because it act, yeah. it goes back to getting us trying to figure out what is the issue, right? So statistically, there's some statistics that I think um, what what uh, the National Registry of Exonerations yeah. is that is yeah. that what, what we were what we were reading about black incarceration? I think Emma, you had yeah. something, right? Okay, okay. So we're going to talk about convictions, which is how we started. And it's true to form, if you ask African-Americans, it is hard to stay on the topic because there are so many infractions. Okay, so this was report was by the National Registry for Exonerations. In the United States, more than uh, 380 exonerations have happened due to wrongful convictions of African-American men. These convictions go into three categories. It's rape, it's murder, and it's drugs. Mm. That's how we wind up in jail. One of the biggest areas is mis, um, misrecognition of who did the crime. And it goes back to what I said, that to many people, we all look alike. We all look alike. So if anybody attacked you, it is easy to point out a black man. And it could have been a black man, but not the one that you pointed out. You picked the first one that was available. Yeah, but see, I, I think I think historically, though, and, and I understand you're trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, but there is implicit bias. You go yeah. you look in 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 uh, in the, the the law enforcement field. Mm -hmm. I was in I was in this thing called leadership. It, it was a leadership Stockton. I was I used to live in Stockton, so I was in the leadership program. And a lot of the police officers had to go through leadership um, Stockton, I guess, if they wanted to get promotions or something like that. But just seeing the attitude and the mentality of these police yeah. officers, they had no redemption. They thought no. They looked at everybody as they were criminals. I remember this one guy. He was like, "My wife is a probation officer. She wants to give people second chances. They're they're slime. They're scum. They're this. They're that." They think that automatically because they're, of course, they're used to dealing with criminals, right? But then they want to paint everybody with a broad brush. So there's this implicit bias about um, not having the same value 
black people not having the same value as they as they do. They give the uh, they give other people the benefit of the doubt that they don't give us. So yeah, I can see on one hand you say, well, you know, they think all black people look alike. No, there is a, a implicit bias in the criminal justice field, in medical. You take a black man and a white man with the exact same symptoms, they're going to be treated two totally different ways based upon this and only this. The only thing that's different is this. This is implicit bias that's integrated in the system that we are all under. So the question is, yeah, we know these things happen, but how do we solve them? I think we have to educate our people on this, you know, this happening because people need to know we we need to know our rights. If we walk into a store, somebody said in the comments, we're the ones that get followed. We're not we getting followed while these white people is wiping them out. But they following the black person. That's what they get. But this is this is what always happens. And so we're convicted more than anybody else. We're 13% of the population. We're what 50% of the prison population and 80% of convictions are we're, we're more we're more likely to be 80% of people convicted of murder are more likely to be innocent than our white counterparts. That's right. But we don't commit more crimes, we just get convicted more and then we're criminalized more. And the level of, of the sentencing for black people is usually higher than if a white person appeared and did the same thing. Well, okay, so to your point, crack and coke. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, let's just be real. Same drug with a little bit of extras in it, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, crack um, coke. So, if you do, because crack is a black, uh, it, it's supposedly a black drug you're going to get way more time. If you do coke, it's like, oh, this is slap on the wrist. It's unacceptable. Um, and I also wanted to point out, so there was this uh, video I was watching on the on the social media about this firefighter. I don't know if you all saw it. He was um, a lot older and he confessed that he went back in his heyday, used to let a lot of black people die. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and you and everybody was saying it. Like I looked in the comments, you you would think a police officer, you'll think a judge, but you never think a firefighter. You even think a doctor, but not a firefighter. It's everybody's against us. Everybody's yeah. against us. And he was he was like, and he was saying it's not just him. All his buddies in the fire department, they would if a building was burning and it was black people in it, they would act like, yeah, we're gonna go save them. Oh, we couldn't get to them. We couldn't get to uh, them. And they would let them burn. And they would hear. So now he's tormented because he heard the babies screaming that he allowed to die. But you got to remember, this goes back to the beginning of this country when they use black children as gator bait. You remember that they use black children for, as alligator bait. We've been. Do you remember the, the, the story of uh, Mary Turner? You remember the story of Mary Turner? So Mary Turner and her husband, um, I, they accused her husband of doing something. I can't remember what they accused her husband of, but um, they were coming after her husband and she spoke up. She said, don't touch my husband. She said something. She spoke up for her husband. Mary Turner was eight months pregnant. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they hung her. And cut her baby out. They cut her baby out and they stomped the baby. And they heard the baby crying when they stomped the baby. Yeah. So they so you, you, you they try to act like we're the animals and the things that they've done to black people. Well, and I'll just say, um, I, um, well, you know what? I'll say the things that have been done to people. And the reason black. I say that. Well, no, no, no. 
I'm saying this in a in a, in, a, in a way of um, if you go if you look at just about any country that has yes. um, indigenous people, it yeah. you know if they're okay. I mean, if you go to different countries all over the world, the colonizers have done roughly the same thing. But you think about this, in all of those countries, the people who are on the bottom of the totem pole are normally people who look like us, who have African and, and are melanated. Most of the people, you go in South America, the people who are on the lowest of the totem pole that are impoverished the most are going to be the black people, except for in, in areas in Europe. But a lot of places that have been colonized by Europe. Now, if you talk about the war in Israel and all that stuff, that's something that's totally different. But you see, there's a war going on in Congo. Nobody's there's genocide going on in Congo, but nobody's saying anything about it. Our lives don't matter like their lives do. I want to know, but but Constance, I want to, I want, how do we answer the question that you so aptly started at the beginning? What do we do? And we tried. It is not all of another race that do this. There is a percentage, but there are decent people in every race that don't do this. Of course. But what can, just in case somebody's listening to think that we are giving a mass indictment the same way that we have had a mass indictment because we're black, we're not doing that. But my question is, back, what suggestions can we give? Money. April said meditation. No, money. I said money? Money. You mean, how do you mean that? Change the way you spend your money. Money is everything. Like, if you, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that you see a lot of things happening now in this world is due to money. Everything is money related. You stop somebody who's normally making a million dollars a minute from making a million dollars a minute, they're going to change. And if we're the ones who are making or giving them their million dollars a minute, it's going to change. So listen, we need to change. Listen, but here's where our dollar goes. You are right. You are right about money and all of those things. But the reality is, I have three. The reality. the reality is, I have three black sons that have to go out in this world who have to face, um, you know, the police, the criminal justice system. I've taught my boys a certain way to conduct themselves in public, but the reality is, when they come up against the police, there is an implicit bias. Just three months ago, three months ago, I'm on, my my son calls me, and he's like, "Mom, um, I just got pulled over. Don't know what happened. Maybe you know, I, maybe I had I." I didn't do my signal, my turn signal or whatever. I don't know what happened, but, um, you know, I got pulled over. So I said, okay. So he and I are talking. I said, well, keep me on the phone, put me on FaceTime so I can see what's going on. So we're sitting on the phone, just sitting there talking, chopping up. And all of a sudden I hear a bang on his window and the police starts yelling at him. And my son's like, what did I do? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did I do? I'm sorry. He's yelling and screaming for his life, begging the police to please not shoot him. This police has a gun to his head. When you talk about implicit bias, and I began recording. Now I'm on the phone. My son is in Virginia. I'm in California. I can do nothing. And this is what's going on with my son. My son is my son is scared to death. He's 19 years old. 
He's on the dean's list at Hampton University. He's driving a black Lexus, and this police has a gun to my son's head. Mm, mm, mm. The hell am I supposed to do? This is implicit bias. And this is a black police officer, y'all. Some African guy. It's a black police officer. How did he, he get free from that situation, Constance? How did it end? He, 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 this man tried to find every excuse. Oh, well, you were speeding. I wasn't speeding. Well, you didn't pull over soon enough. I was looking for a safe place to pull over. I, you, at the end of the day, when he found out that he was just a 19-year-old kid, and he, and the, 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 at the end, he said, well, I didn't know if this car was stolen. Which was really why he pulled him over. But he, he all, all he had to do was check the license plate. I didn't know if this car was stolen. It wasn't stolen. You seen a young black brother with some locks, some dreadlocks, and you decided to racially profile him. So the problem I have is when I put well, my the thing out, is the thing is that I have a problem with is because you talked about you talked about solutions. It's like I feel like the solution starts starts in the home. They see other races see how they treat how we treat each other. So that's how we treat us. We didn't mention that the that the cop that pulled over my my brother was a black man. Mm -hmm. He was an African man at that. Like people feel so comfortable treating us how we treat because we treat each other the same way. Listen to and our music. Like, yeah, I was, I was just about to go there. I, to your point, yes. Listen to the music. Listen to what we say to each other. Listen to how we how we interact with each other. Our terms of endearment, which I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm the worst one. I know I am. But our terms of endearment are to if you know the somebody on the outside looking in is like, oh my God, did she just curse that person out? No, I just said I love you. Like I literally <laughs> just told my friend how much I love her. <clears throat> so what is much so so when we when we talk about we're selling drugs. When we talk about we are doing the music, we are, we're just, we're such a small, small money. part in the grand scheme of things, though. It's, it's money, No, I understand it's money. I understand it's money, but it's also, it's also something that, a setup that's systemically designed to destroy our people. Think yeah. about 1955 when J. Edgar Hoover said the biggest threat to America was Negro unity, was black unity. Anything they can do to That's destroy he said he the black man out of the home, which he did. Listen. He took the black man out of the home. Then, then you have an uprising of black empowerment where, look at the Black Panthers, they were just feeding babies. And they were basically trying to stop police brutality in their neighborhoods across the country. And they labeled them as militant, as anti-government, trying to overthrow the government. They threw crack into our communities. They murder our leaders. Now, today... They don't got to do that anymore. Then they, they we still have drugs in our community. But then when it started crossing over to the other tracks, then the the, the war on drugs became the we, now we got to treat these drug deal these drug addicts. But then you have the music. Now I'm saying that the black people, yes, we are the ones that are spewing it, right? And 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 our kids are the ones listening to it, and then also following the instructions of what they're saying in this music. They're the ones that are you know out there killing each other based upon. This autobiography that these people are saying that we know that's not reality. We know in real life Rick Ross ain't really killing nobody, but these black, these young black kids are who are impressionable are taking up the mantle. The problem is, it's not even the rappers. They don't even know what they're doing because it's no, the power that it's the white people behind the black curtain that are pulling the strings that are putting the money behind the Rick Rosses to make sure this poison goes out into the masses. No, no, no. You have plenty of positive Rick rappers. You have plenty of positive people. Rick, Rick they won't put side. the money. Hold on. They won't put the money in, in these positive rappers because they right. don't want to change the mindset of the black people. But, but hold on. No. So to your point, and that is 100% accurate. 
I used to work at radio stations back when I was in the DMV 500 years ago. And one thing that I will say is that I have actually been in the rooms when I've heard people say, you know, we can't play this particular song because it's too positive. No one's going to want to listen to it. The lie detector determined that's a lie. Everybody, would, we would rather hear positive, more uplifting songs. Nobody wants their vibrations to be uh, lowered, but yet that's what there's constantly putting, pushing, 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 pushing. Now, if right. your dollars would, would show otherwise, and we would get the strength back to, to uh, um, control our own minds. Because see, this is what I hear on a regular basis. I hate when people say, well, I can't help it. This is just who I am. I'm an angry person. I'm mad because of what's going on in the world. I can't help it. That's just who I am. No, you're the only one that can help it. You're the only one who has control over who you are. And you're the only one who has control over what you listen to. You stop listening to that crap. I assure you, it will stop being played and money will stop being made. Well, I want to go to the root of that. Money. Have we thought all of this, this language and how they refer to us as women and what they're going to do in the street and holes and all of that. Did you ever think that it's a reverse? They are so angry as black people as black young people they can't come out and say it to the perpetrator so they say it to each other it's a subliminal release of what is happening on the inside i have two sons one looks like me and one looks hispanic those two boys were treated entirely different entirely different when they left our house i remember my oldest son, he worked for sanitation. They had a party. He had too much to drink. He's leaving the depot where he works. And he hooks his truck up to a police car. They get out. He shows them his sanitation badge. He looks like me. They bring him home. I opened the door. They said, you know, you really need to tell your son not to drink like that. And then my husband came downstairs who's brown and you should have saw the look on that policeman's face. David, on the other hand, was standing on the corner getting ready to go in the bank for a job interview. There was a guy standing there with him. A police car pulled up. And the guy dropped the bag and ran, and they locked my son up for drug possession. He said, here's my resume. Oh, and wow. they told him that he had to show up in court for this drug bust. You know what my son did? He ran away. Mm. We were crazy. We said, David, we'll go with you. We'll get a." He said, I'm not doing it, Mom. I'm not going to court. We were more upset because he wouldn't agree to go to court. The phone rings about 11 or 12 o'clock. You're supposed to be in court at nine. I said, oh my God, they're going to put out all points. They said, oh, he doesn't have to show up. It was a mistake. Oh, wow. But my son, all because of his color, all because of his color. So they know the world differently. Right. They know it differently because... Of the and our lives are our, our lives are potentially our black pe men women's lives are potentially ruined 
because of how other people look at us, but then also how we look at ourselves. We are promoting, we, I believe that a lot of these rappers and a lot of these people who are spewing this negativity, this poison into our community, because I believe it's just as bad as them, them selling drugs to the community, the, the poison of the mind. Just like you said, April, about have it, the low vibrational music that comes out, it really does change your mindset. It really does. So when I remember when I was I was a youngster and, and they were talking about, you know, we're going to go do some dirt and we're going to go uh, do a drive-by. They're not listening to Kirk Franklin while they're doing it. They listening to some music that's going to get them in the mood to do it right it's it's that it music is the most powerful yes. art form there is and that's the reason why when you're at church they're playing a certain kind of music because entering yes. in the holy spirit when you're in the club they playing a certain kind of music you're not going you're not going to twerk to you know uh to to, to know how great music. thou art some people be twerking has anybody okay. seen the movie they clone tyrone i didn't get a chance to finish watching it you watch the whole movie okay <laughs> because everything that you're saying is have you seen it kyle okay so you know everybody who all the all the viewers if you've watched they clone tyrone put a heart in the comments uh, <laughs> Um, just in general, when you see that movie, you'll understand. I feel that that movie is probably the most accurate um, movie out there. And I don't want to tell for the people who haven't seen it, but they music does change your vibrations. And you know that because if you're driving down the street and all of a sudden the song comes on, you just like, ah, like your whole energy changes. You want to go slap somebody. And if somebody sets you off. Keelan's had a song, I hate you so much right now. You're not playing that when you're happy. You're playing that when you're pissed off. You want somebody up. I hate you so much right now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So for people to not take responsibility and act like music is just music, just like a movie, it's not. Because you're acting like this is stuff that you're out there doing. You're murdering your brothers. You're raping women. You're calling women hoes and bitches. And and, and these women, oh my God, let's not even talk about but sex. They believe that. They, they, but there is a famous uh, expression about music that music soothes the savage beast. It means that the anger that is in us, that emotion, you hear the right song, it, it calms you down. Mm -hmm. It really does calm you down. Yeah. But if the music is made to incite you to riot, to stir up your anger, to stir up a hatred for anybody, then it's dangerous. 100%. But if, if you add one more piece to it, so I'm sorry, Constance, you were going to say something because I was going to go back to the movie. No, go ahead. Um, if you, okay, music, also what you put in your body. So music is also, music is something you put in your body from your ears. What are you putting through your mouth? When you eat low vibrational food, you become a low vibrational being. You huh? So come on, Coach Stormy. <laughs> it, but it's it's so one hundred percent true. Like if you you'll meet people who are just always angry. Look at what they eat on a regular basis. They mm -hmm. are like number one at McDonald's every single day, making sure they get whatever it is they need to get, or they're at uh, Burger King. Uh, Popeyes, getting a two-piece, three-piece, whatever. And I'm like, you're always angry because the food that you eat is angry. 
So let's get yes. let's, let's get back. Exactly. Let's get back because you know what Angie is right. She said, "Okay, yes, music, but what does it have to do with white lies?" Back on track. You're right, Angie. Yeah, come through, but Angie. But no, it actually it actually does have to do with it because the first thing that we have to do. So we know historically what's happening within within our society. We know that you know laws are set up against us. Period. We know about yeah. black codes, the things that have happened since we've been in this country. We know that. It's set up against us. We have to start looking internally. And that's why we're talking about the music. We got to hold up the mirror to ourselves and we got to start making some internal changes and we got to get power. April said the solution is money. Emma, you said the solution is what? I think it's self-reflection. I think if we look at ourselves and value ourselves and build ourselves up in our community, that we can have an impact. And that begins with knowing your history, understanding your history. If you don't know it, you're doomed to let it happen again. And so we got it. And when I went to school, we had a distorted vision of who we were. The only picture in my history book was of some Africans with uh, their chest exposed. I was so embarrassed. That's what I knew about. I was so in none of the great stuff. None of the great stuff, just that we were primitive people. Listen, so, when I was in school, I was in school, you know, you were probably in school 100 years ago. I was in school <laughs> seven years ago. So I'm right behind you. The only thing I knew about us is that we were um, that we were enslaved and that we were oppressed. We were yeah. African booty scratchers. I knew that. It wasn't until I got out of high school and with the power of the internet that I learned that we were so much more than that. But you're right. You learn about the jungle. And in, in, and in movies, Tarzan ain't even black. And he's the king of the jungle. How was that? Well, I didn't know about Mansa Musa, who was the richest man who ever lived, who happened to be from Africa. I didn't know about Shaka Zulu until yes. they started having the, 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 the series on, on television every year. But I didn't know about that because that's not what they taught in school. So yeah, we have to educate ourselves. But here's the thing, with the power of the internet, we have access to all of that. There's no more excuses. But you got to want to look that yeah. up. Yeah. You, so in the colleges now, they, they all have black history courses. Uh, yeah. My first black history was taught by a black professor. Um, and it was very enlightening. So our ignorance is without excuse now. Ooh. It is without excuse. Our ignorance is without excuse because before, especially in the generations that came before us, they, they took books away from us. They didn't allow us to read. They say, if you want to keep something from a black person, put it in a book. Well, that's because they would not allow us to read. Love to read. So that's why you, that's why you took the books away from us. But now we have access to more than just books. We have access to the worldwide information that's out there. What are we going to say, April? I still believe that that's actually still what's happening because now, if you notice, they're changing our attention span. Sound bites. Oh, oh, everything, oh, oh. everything is a sound bite. So, every what fifteen seconds is the attention span of the average. Three. Uh, we three have our attention span is less than that of a goldfish. That is unacceptable. So, when you say, "Well, you know, put stuff in books now," no, don't put it in a book now. Where, where are you going to put it? You have to do a quick TikTok and nine times out of 10, that's fake news. So <laughs> I'm just saying like, um, that's another solution, literally going back to physical books, not something that's on your phone that could be changed at any second. Go to an actual book, go to books that were written in your past. 
And you know what I mean? So that you get a chance to see what words they were using um, back in those days. So you get an understanding of why why um, things might be changed now, like the meaning of certain words. That's one of the things that I always do now is I go back and I look at um, books that were written before the, the 1900s. Oh, because- Jane, you don't know anything. So Constance, what I, I mean, um, April, what I'm, you talked about sound bites and Constance. So what you're really saying is they're unsound bites. They're not found. <laughs> I love it. Bars. But listen, let, 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 me, let me go back really quick to just the um the 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 history of the, the violence against black men that were wrongly convicted because it it happened so much and it still happens to this day. But look it, I, I was looking up some um I was looking up some uh some articles and it it, it happens more than a shout to the innocence project right that's that's the project that is behind a lot of these exonerations because even once the dna says it wasn't you there is a process to get out yes listen 53 percent of the people that were exonerated were black 53 percent of the wrongly convicted exonerated were black. We are being prosecuted at levels beyond anybody else. We're not convicting, we're not committing more crimes. We're just being convicted more. Well, Constance, I, I got an update on that. It's nearly, it, it says I got, I, cause I downloaded an article about the innocent. Okay. Nearly 60% of the people that the innocent project has helped to free or exonerate since 1992 are black. We make up 49% of the wrongful convictions since 1989, but 60% of what's been overturned are black. That tells you that number one, they're not doing the proper policing. Number Mm -hmm. two, they're trying to find somebody. A lot of times people are falsely accusing black people. Now let me go back also to to these, these white tears. Look at uh, this, uh, they call her Soho Karen. Maya Ponsetta went viral in a couple of years ago. Remember when she went up to that kid and she said that he stole, he stole her, uh, her cell phone and she started harassing him and she grabbed him. She put her hands on him and she yeah. actually left it in the Uber by mistake. Her dad lit him up. His dad lit her up and she was accusing him, accusing him. And it turns out it wasn't, it wasn't even true, but you automatically let's blame the black guy. 
And then this one, Sherry Papini, she went missing for three weeks for the holiday season. She was found running after running into a California interstate and being picked up by a passenger driving. She claimed she was abducted out by two Hispanic women. She lied. Oh. Uh, in 2017, Harmon ran into a church half naked. She basically said that she was uh, she was uh, hunted down or she was kidnapped by black men. Eventually, they discovered the abduction and rape were staged. Um, this lady said a little black boy uh, groped her. And basically what happened was she accused him of groping her. Then they saw they looked at the cameras. And basically, his she he he passed her by a nine year old, and his backpack rubbed up against her. But this these are the kinds of things that would happen over the years that would get black people killed. And I'm sorry, like, do you remember what's that little what's that little black boy's name? I think he was 13. He was the youngest kid to get executed, uh, electrocuted. Yeah, um, I know who you're talking about. I forgot his name. This was oh. years ago, though. Yeah, this was like in the 1930s. I think he was like 11 or 12. He got electrocuted. Mm-hmm. And he just kept saying that he was, they said his little body wasn't even big enough to fit in the in, in the chair. In the chair. And and that the, the thing that they would put on their head wasn't even, it wouldn't even fit. And he just was screaming for his mama. His name they, was George Junis Stenny Jr. And he yes, was yes, electrocuted Stenny. in 1944 thus becoming the youngest American with an exact birth date, confirmed to be sentenced to death and executed in the 20th century. And he was from Pinewood, South Carolina. Um, That's disgusting. The the lady, I don't remember her name, but the Karen lady that that, um, with the phone situation. Mm -hmm. I remember watching that. And one thing that made me happy, Mm. father, and I, I, this is one thing that I think changes a lot as it relates to the self-esteem of our children, is that a lot of times when a white person or a teacher or whatever says, your child did this, the parent says, well, why did you do it? Versus understanding that maybe their child didn't and being able to have that conversation with their child and knowing their child and knowing their child did or didn't do it. So um, I appreciate the fact the fact that the father um, looked out for his son. Now I'm gonna tell you that actually recently happened to my bro- my brother and nephew. Um, the the they had to sit down and have a meeting, a, a school meeting, and they were going in on my nephew and how she and she's reading this off of a paper. He um, Kingston had a, a attitude problem. He uh, threw things. He did this, that, and the third, blah, 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 blah. And my brother is looking at my nephew like, what? And he, and she's like, yes. And in the fourth grade, blah, blah, blah. He is in high school now. He is in high school. My nephew is in the 11th grade. And you are bringing something up that happened in the fourth grade, sir, ma'am. My brother lit that teacher up. And it's like, you do know that he can hear you. So you're saying these negative things about this boy in his face. So the fact that he knew that his father had his back and he's like, ever since then, he's been doing even better in school. And my nephew's been doing very well in school. And he's doing even better now because he's like, my my dad has my back. So to know that you have a parent that is like, I'm going to, I'm going to still discipline you if you do wrong. But 
if you're doing the right thing and you are not doing the wrong thing, I'm going to always have your back. And if you communicate with me as your parent and let me know when you do the wrong thing, I will still have your back. Kyle knows I ride for mine. Kyle, you know, what would I do? But you got to put that shotgun down, Constance. You listen, listen, I have to make sure because as, especially with my boys, with black boys, uh, Dr. J J J the conspiracy, Jufu. who was his name? Uh, Jufu, I can't pronounce the man's name. The, the conspiracy, conspiracy to kill black boys. Yes, to destroy black boys. These teachers, you have to let them know because if you don't let them know that you are involved, that you know what's going on, that you see what's going on, they are going to overlook your child. They're mm -hmm. going to have tolerance for your child. They're going to treat your child any old kind of way. Mm -hmm. They have to know that their parent, your parent, their parents are going to advocate for them. I'm the biggest proponent of advocating for my children. I will ride for my children every single time. Now, some, a lot of times they right, sometimes they wrong. I've gone there and I've. I, I'm ready. And then, you know, I had look at him like, for real, you, you really was acting up. But I was always there. And they knew that these are the ones, these, these four right here, these four that belong to me, this is what you're not going to do. And they made sure that they treated my kids accordingly because they knew that I was involved. All they got to do is see you one time, maybe two times, and they're going to treat your kids right. That's true. Because they see that you're in, actively in their child's life. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that that's one thing that's missing because... In, in, in the school system, for example, us another solution. Go to your children's school. What are your teachers' names? Understand, make sure that you that your teacher that that teacher can see the whites of your eyes. Because if you put fear in them to let them know, listen, I'm gonna do what's right for my child. I want my child to have the right things done by them. So, I like what Angie said. She said, "Yes, ma'am, but we have to stop calling our boys so much." You're absolutely right. So I'm. I'm a mother. I'm a single mother, unfortunately. And so there I'm not a mask. I'm not their dad. Um, so I, I'm definitely very uh, cognizant of, um, you know, how I'm sitting them out there in the world and, you know, trying to have that balance. Unfortunately, maybe I don't always have that balance because I am a mother and I can't be a father. Um, but, you know, I'm doing the best I can um, in terms of how I, I deal with my deal with my kids and how I'm trying to send them out in the world and prepare them because we have those conversations in my house, have those conversations with how you interact with the police. Because here's what I know. This is so important. I, what I know for sure is I don't care if my, my kids have their pants pulled up to their chest. I don't care if they look like little point Dexter, Steve Urkels. This black skin is a threat, no matter what they look like. This black skin is a threat. And I'm not trying to put the fear in them. I'm trying to make them aware because when they walk out these doors, this world is not going to be as forgiving to them as a little white buddy that they hang it out with. You don't have the same kind of privilege as your white buddy. So you have to act accordingly. We have those conversations. It's real conversation that you have to have with your black kids that white people just don't have to have with them. And it's and, and it's interesting for you, Emma, because you have one, one, one son that looks white and one son that looks Hispanic. So how did you deal with both of them and, and how they dealt in the world. How, how was that for you? Well, I talked to them the same as far as how they should. Uh, I, I bought a book for each of them. Uh, how should a black a boy act when the police stops him? There, there was an actual little pamphlet that parents were buying. And so that they would not get killed or hurt. I, I trained them that way. We tried in our homes Yes, we did black talk, but we didn't do 
racist talk, like you should hate all black people and all of that. We tried to have a uh, an impact in the home that was spiritual and that they didn't become the thing that we hate. Never become the thing that you hate. Right. So it. So I will tell you this. There were three generations of blacks living in our house. My Ricky's, Ricky's, my husband's mother, Ricky and I, and my children. Ricky's mother was born in 1898. Oh, wow. She, she referred to herself as colored. Mm -hmm. We came from the other generation. We were Negroes. Mm -hmm. And my children were black. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that each one of those labels created a different perspective of who you were as a black. My mother-in-law colored, she was obedient. She had that mad respect. You didn't say anything. She was much more subservient because she came up in the time when they killed us and hung us. You know, she saw it. Ricky and I came along when the Black Panthers came along. And of course we were scared of them, but we came along with Brown versus the Board of Education, 1964. We came along when the civil rights movement was happening. I, I saw Martin Luther King. I saw Malcolm X. I saw these people. They were not in the history book then. They were in, in our lives then. We saw them on TV. Yet, my children came up different and they talked and they act different because they were more aware of their own blackness and the pride that they could have in it. So mm -hmm. when you live with that, it gives you a perspective. We, so we can't be calling ourselves the N-word because that goes, I mean, we might do it jokingly, but that's a serious word. Mm -hmm. That's a serious word. And now we're African-Americans. Um, I'm not sure how that, I guess it goes. But we've had different titles. And every every label meant a different point in the Black journey in yeah. America. But I yeah. think that that's what, what keeps us confused. And I think that that's, no, 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 I'm, I'm so serious. I think that if you look at every everywhere else, they don't have a change in in who in, in their title, right? They are who they are, it, it, and 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 they're from the country that they're from, and that's it. It's just period. We are people who have no country. Okay, um, I'm not a color because if you look at me, I'm not black, right? I, and I'm just I'm I'm just making it make sense. And and, and and saying that you're Negro and saying that you're African-American and, and saying, saying that you're, you're colored. You're colored. And then saying that whatever, like all of these different um, titles are all different. So you have a different mindset. You don't know who you are. We need to, um, we need to, I, I think that that's what keeps us confused. And I think it's by design. In what well, way? As you say, as you say, coddle, and and I agree, we shouldn't coddle. I know we already talked about that. Coddle, do not coddle, but have their back. I just wanted to put that out there. Make sure you have your children's back, because so many children do not have parents that have their backs. Sorry, you were saying. 
Before you say that, Emma, I want to, I want to make sure that you guys are subscribing to the Fly Nubian Queen. I want to make sure that you are subscribing to my YouTube page, which is CC the CEO, youtube.com slash CC the CEO. Where can they find you, April, Dr. Emma and Kyle? Where can they find you? How can they follow you? I'm on YouTube, but I'm outdated. <laughs> I'm 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 untubed. <laughs> not long, Miss Emma. What about you, April? How can they follow you? Uh, you can find uh, follow me at Ugly Ugly Girl Talk on uh, YouTube. Ugly Girl Talk. What about you, Kai? And you can follow me on Instagram. I don't do YouTube. Actually, I actually do. Actually, no, I do do YouTube at Kai Twice. And Instagram is Kai Twice as well. And I also sell hair at In Hair Retress. So follow me there as well. Hey, hey, entrepreneur. Yes, yes. So <laughs> let's get let's but let's get back to the conversation because I think this is very poignant what you were saying. Um it uh and, and Dr. Emma, you had something that you were gonna add. You don't remember? I'm trying to figure out am I colored? Am I visible? <laughs> Am I black tonight? Well, I'm black tonight. So, <laughs> yes. She April did. said it's not a color. So I had to fight to convince white people that I was black. Mm -hmm. And I got confused by that till I realized black is a is an inside thing because we come we come from cinnamon to ebony. Mm -hmm. We come from vanilla to deep dark chocolate. It's got to be not a so we can't associate it with our skin. We have to have that soul. You that are a queen. Soul. That's what you are. So when people say, you know, who are you? I am. I am a. I'm a queen. Period. That's it. You know what I mean? I could be Queen Elizabeth. No, 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 no. See, Queen Elizabeth. It, no, you are. Well, you were a queen. There comes a time when you have to own. You want to establish your identity out there. I agree, and I think I think that that should. I think we should. I think that the fact that we have had so many different uh, titles over the last however many years, and you're looking. You just said it. Three generations, right? Three generations, and we are looked at in three different ways. Yep. No white people have that situation, not one. Right? Mm -hmm. We are the most complicated race. Huh? We're the most complicated race, but it's systematically complicated. Like oh, we like from just generations, like we just trauma on trauma on trauma. That's why, like we all I am that I am. The trauma and the drama. And we're yeah. it's, 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 it's part of being black in America. It's, and, it's, and I agree with that. I agree. It is a part of being black in America. I think that what we what also needs to happen is that we choose who we are. You know what I mean? And I think that that's where the problem lies. We've allowed someone else to tell us who we are. Right. That's my problem. You mm -hmm. can't tell me who I am. Only I can tell me who I am. And only my people who have gone through what we have gone through can tell us who we are. You don't tell me. You don't tell me I'm Black. You don't tell me I'm African-American. You don't tell me I'm Negro. You don't tell me I'm colored. You don't tell me. That's, no. My, we, should, we should say who we are. All of a sudden, it's, it's you're this. And we're like, you know what? I guess that's who I am. That's what our problem is. We accept 
what has been given to us as opposed to saying, hold on, let me ask some questions about this. But we that's also, questions. but that's also generational as well. You know, like, like from, from slavery, we had no other choice but to accept the beating, accept the trauma, accept all of that. So us as black people, the reason why we're so accepting to this, we weren't taught, like we we weren't taught to fight back. We weren't taught to, we were always just been, you know, of course we had like the, rebe the, the rebellions, like the Black Panther, Martin Luther King, all that type of stuff. But they try to shut us up by, as soon as somebody speak out, they dead. Everybody did. Everybody in the Black Panther Party, they dead. Everybody, Martin Luther King, they dead. As soon as we try to step out and speak out, they try to, you know, quiet us. I, where I agree with that, I do. Um, but if it was something else, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just using it as an example. You go to work every day, and if your boss says, "Well, you know what? Your new title moving forward is asshole. This is my asshole, um, and this is what my asshole does every day." You're not going to accept that. You're, you're no. My title is executive, whatever. Executive That's asshole. <laughs> <laughs> This asshole, I'm an executive. I'm saying that to our ancestors, and we stand on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. Each of those titles represented where black where black people were in the journey of finding themselves. Did no, 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 no. Because if you go back, and I'm sorry, if you were to ask someone who still maybe identifies as colored. Um, uh, yeah, or, uh, as colored. Probably not alive anymore. But I'm just saying, if you were to ask them, did you choose to be called colored? Did no. someone say? I, 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 you know, to be honest with you, y'all, I think this conversation is so irrelevant. What we call ourselves, mm. I think. No, no I do. The reason why I do, my opinion. Okay. Uh, but the reason why I believe that is because, like you said, it's our journey through this country. <clears throat> We have to now stand on the pride of who we are. We do stand on the shoulders of our ancestors. They did have to do a lot to fight to get the, get here. And yeah, regardless if if they called us colored and we we accepted it, and they called us Negroes and we accepted it, they call us black. Whatever, it doesn't even matter because at the end of the day, I'm proud of the people who came before me. Whatever mm -hmm. they called. And so if I'm called an African American, an Afro American, a Black American, an African in America, whatever they call me. I don't give a damn because I am who I am. But I tell you what, I love black people, period. I love us in all shades. And I want the best for us because there are things that are coming at us from all different directions. And if we're and if we argue and if we discuss the minor things, then we're not going to be able to really address the major things that that's are impacting the community. That, well, but here's the thing. That's not minor. And I'll tell you why that's not minor. It's the same exact thing as we're looking at when we're talking about what we listen to, right? Somebody is telling us that this is who we listen to. Somebody is telling us that this is how your hair should be. Someone is telling us, because uh, you know, if, if you if you if you look at the average black woman, right, who got the big booty and the big hips, she's considered morbidly obese, even though she got a, a nice shape or whatever, because she's shaped like a black woman, she's fat or she's this. Everything you go down the list of anything that identifies you as being quote unquote black, somebody else is telling you that that's who you are. Here's the thing about that though: we got to take our power back. Who gives a 
telling us about ourselves who right. you can't tell who we are my thing is we have to start being unified as a people start looking out for each other okay collective economics build our communities whatever you decide to call yourself if you a hotep if you colored if you a negro whatever we got to love ourselves and our melanated skin and we got to start doing for us because at the end of the day, when you look at statistically education, we're on the bottom of the totem pole. Money, we're on the bottom of the totem pole. Crime, we're at the top of the totem pole. So we got bigger fish to fry as what, what do they call us and they call us that and they say we morbidly obese. No, what, what are we saying about ourselves as people? I stand on Constant. Who we are as a people and what we can do to come together so that we can build our communities. Your your point is valid and I get it. You're like, this is, is, is irrelevant. The reason I'm saying that it, it is relevant is because how you look at yourself, we are always being, we are always looking, our, looking at ourselves the way somebody else is telling us to look at ourselves. That's the point I'm making. It doesn't matter who calls what, what. My point is that we are sitting here telling our, Right. Sorry. We are telling <laughs> we're telling our we're telling ourselves that we are who they say we are. Mm -hmm. That's my problem. And so that's the mindset that I'm saying that we need to change. And I'm just saying we need to take our power back, whatever it is. And I'm and I'm saying that should not be a division for us. Right. So if it's the if it's the semantics that are causing division amongst our community, get rid of the fucking semantics. Let's figure out what unifies us rather than what separates us as a race. But I love this discussion because we are all from different, you know, different uh, times, different ages, and we all have different perspectives and opinions. And that's OK. We don't have to all be the same. And that's the whole point of us all being able to have this dialogue. Mm -hmm. Somebody put in the chat that her grandmother was colored. And she didn't like when they changed it to black. Yeah, I do. In, in my day, yep. Being black if was somebody black. called you black, that was a fighting word. That was a denigrate to be called black. When James Brown said, I'm black and I'm proud, that I, I was never much of a, a, a follower of pop music. But when he did that, you know how many people got proud because he made black a thing yeah. to be proud of rather than to be like, you call me black? You call me black? That was an insult. Now right. that wouldn't insult anybody. And, I, and I, all I'm saying is that let's find what unifies us as a people. But check this out. Um, I want you guys just you know, for, for briefly, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But Kyle, do you have some, you know, I want to give you guys a, an opportunity to have, you know, some final words for us. No, I do. I do believe like this, this conversation was definitely like insightful. And I do agree. I also agree that, that the conversation definitely goes from, because I remember earlier you were talking about solution. It, it goes, I feel like our solution definitely should start in our households. Like, yeah, the music and stuff like that, but also how we treat or, treat each other. Are The kids look at how their parents treat them. And, and if their parents treat, let's say you have a girl and a boy. If the parents see that you treat the girl and the boy differently, then then it, it it goes to like you know the real world they, they see how like everything else would treat them differently as well like you know the just the that that divinity or not divinity but that division 
Um, just I feel like it just all starts in in the household and what you teach your kids and what you allow them to like listen to and what you instill in them is very important. And then you can pass on that love and stuff on to like, you know, your school and things like that, the real world. So yeah. Wow. All right, April. Um, what I would, would love to leave everybody with is choose where you're gonna where you put your money. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, but that's always been a big thing as I have been in banking for 22 years and I watch how different groups of people spend their money and how they use it, where they put it, and um, and how they're advancing in more ways than than we are, mainly because of where they're choosing to put their money. Um, and I'll also say that a lot of times the reason that we're treated the way that we are is because people want to be us. Ooh. So put your crown on and understand that you are kings and queens um, and, and live in that. Mm. Mm. Dr. Emma? Well, something came to me and I'm, and I'm going to say it. So when I would go places, go into a store or something, and the people would be rude to me, I would say, oh, they did that just because I'm Black. And then I realized they didn't know that. <laughs> I knew that. And I, now that's weird. I knew that because I was living that Black life. They didn't know that. So the institutionalized racism even convinced me that it wasn't even happening. So we can become paranoid. And that is the honest to God truth. So my solution is we have to tackle the pollution one household at a time, mm -hmm. one community at a time, and, by, and never become the thing you hate. Let's do this thing in love on purpose, but do it in love. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say I, I'm so grateful for these ladies and their their perspectives, because I think we all listen. I come from California. My daughter is from California. April is from D.C. and Miss Emma is from New York. So we all come from different places in the country and we all have very different experiences and, you know, unique perspectives. And I love that. I love the fact that we don't all agree on everything. I love that. I love that we have our own opinions and we are able to speak freely. I my goal in life. My goal in life is to is that we get to a place where black people are thriving and whatever contribution I'm able to make. I just want to give it to people who look like me because we are in a position where we're the we're left behind. We're the least we've gotten taken advantage of systematic racism, redlining, predatory lending, all of the things that have put us in this position. Yet we are a resilient people because we're still thriving regardless of everything that was put in our way, but we still have so much further to go. And I love us for that. I love us. So whatever I can do to further our race and Dr. Fraser, Dr. George Fraser, one of my mentors, actually, actually Dr. Emma Fraser's uh, brother, but one of, he, he called me a race woman. I was like, well, what's a race woman? I had to go Google what a race woman was, right? <laughs> And, I was, and so a race woman is a woman who is about her race. And I, I believe in putting black people first and not and not in a way where I'm putting anybody else. Last. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like black lives matter. We matter, too. And we're we just we need more help. And my focus is on helping people who look like me because we need help. 
when I started my business, it was really in trying to create, um, just trying to fill a need of, 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 of the things that were lacking. And because there was this huge lacking because of systemic issues, I was able to become successful. I just mm-hmm. want to help us be us. I just want to see us win. And so that's what this is about. That's what these dialogues and discussion, discussions are about. How can we win together? What can we do to move our race forward? I love us for that. And before we go really quick, all four of us are part of the Net7 Collective. And yeah. it's so cool. And I love it. And I love my sisters. Um, I want to give you guys a moment just to kind of talk about what your experience has been like in, 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 the, in the group. It's it's been like a coming home for my soul to be on that in that group. It electrifies me. I get off the call and I feel like I've been released and I I have unlimited power now. And and because because I am probably the oldest woman on the call what i'm learning from these young women is so it's like somebody gives me an intellectual transfusion every wednesday night oh i'm through with the intellectual intellectual transfusion april would you like to share listen i don't know if i can go after that but i'll say this um the women who are a part of this group add so much value, right? Um, Constance is not only allowing us to gather information from her, but we're also gathering information from each other. Um, Nobody feels like they're the most intelligent in the room. Um, (laughs) Everybody is able to learn from one another. She also has amazing speakers that will come in and add additional value what you're thinking there's value overload like how can i get so much value in one (laughs) one event and every single time it is just it's magical so um if you are able to join i will say join if gentlemen who are watching if you have a an amazing woman in your life please help her to join um, because it will not only add value to her, it'll add value to you. And it's a way for you to help to build generational wealth. So please um, do that. Oh, and Christmas is coming. Hold on, pause. I'm sorry. Christmas is coming. So for those of you who celebrate the holiday, please make sure that you purchase um, one for a family member who you feel needs to have value added. Look at God. Look at God. All right. Look at God. What about you, Kayeli Carter? I'll say this because I'm also I also am my my mom's assistant and I oversee the Net Seven Collective, so I see like the emails and I I I follow up with people who are interested and things like that. And I remember one person told me told me that she's a part of another sister circle right now, so she can't. It ain't just a regular sister circle. I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know right now. It ain't just like one of those regular sister circles where you kumbaya, meditate. Oh, yeah, we love each other. Bye. No. Okay, there's some meditation, all that type of stuff in there. But when there's people like, and I'm only 24 years old. So for oh. people my age all the way to, you know, Dr. Emma's age where we can like all learn from each other and feedback off one another and just and like like it's it's just a, a lot more than just a regular old sister circle you you like 
like it makes you feel like things are like possible yes. no matter what age you know like she puts these speakers in place to talk to us about how to make money how to do things in real estate from even making monies in ways that you would never even knew how to make money type thing like it it really like it's a really a transformational i feel like thing and i'm not just saying that because she's my mother wait can right i add one more thing though because y'all know that i love talking about money um <laughs> and kyle was talking about a lot of money i, I was talking about a, a lot of money and and i'll say the fellowship is is so much more because you're um you end up with a partner so um an accountability partner and your accountability partner builds you up every time you all build each other up every single day so it's not just whenever you're meeting uh, those weekly meetings it's a touch point every day um we're we're also in another group together and we're sending messages to each other all day every day and it's all like right now i'm just putting this out there we are um we're doing a cleanse so i don't know everybody's not doing the cleanse but some of us are doing a cleanse. So we're not just looking at how our minds can be, um, how we can build on our minds. We're not just looking at how we can build our, our wallets. We're looking how we can um, uh, get rid of <laughs> our waistlines. I'm just putting that out there. So. And you know, transformational transformation is a holistic experience. And so it's very um, important that we're intentional about that. When we go about it, we're not just, feeding our mind. We're not just trying to get the money, but we're doing our spirit. We're doing our bodies. We're priming our minds and getting it prepared because we are going to receive the monetary. That's the easy part. Get money. I'm telling y'all, money is not hard to do, but priming your mind and getting yourself prepared to get that money so that you can keep that money. So it could be multi-generational money. That's a whole different ball game. And so that's what it is that we're doing. But I love these, I love these ladies for real. I love black people for real. And basically the net seven is, is basically I created something that I needed for myself. I needed like-minded women who were uh, forward thinking and forward moving and who were inspirational and motivational. Cause it's not about Conscar at all. It is not about me. I happen to be the keeper of the the synergy of the space, but and I lead some of the things, I lead some of the meetings, but it's all about us as a collective. And that's the thing that I think is beautiful. I don't have the ego that it got to be about me. I allow everybody to walk in their power and everybody, it doesn't matter if you're 24 years old like Kyle or if you're the same age as Dr. Emma, everybody's what they have, everybody's contribution is valuable. And that's what's so special, I think, about it. So, Constance, could you give them the name of this group? It is called the Net Seven Collective. And you know what? If you want to, the second, the third cohort is coming up um, at the end of the month, beginning of December. And if you are interested in booking a call with me, go to bookwithconstance.com and I can interview you for the Net Seven Collective. I sure appreciate that, Emma. But listen, we're going to be coming here every, what's today, Tuesday? Every give me the name of this show. This is generational wealth. And we're going to be talking about things that are genera generationally wealthy to you, things that can relate to you. Any, the, the topics are going to range from everything. And I actually have an idea of what I want to talk about based upon uh, next week, based upon what we talked about tonight. So it's going to be fun. Um, and it's just going to get gooder and gooder and gooder. So I, that's a word. Y'all, that's a word. I looked it up. Or gooder and gooder. <laughs> 
word. I appreciate y'all hanging with us. And you guys gonna see us again next Tuesday. We love you. We love you. And we love you.